Yo, 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 Kurt Robinson, the Paradise Paradox Show. Growth hurts just like rubbing your eyes with rock salt. Brain exposed to ideas that you could not know. Mind moving so fast, you cannot control. You better cover your third eye with lead just to block the hole. Freaking out like an ayahuasca trip with a lost soul. Eight hours feels like millennia, in for the long haul. Earth, the world, reality, shattering around you like a Jericho stronghold. Got you bugging out quicker than John Galt, check it out. So the other day, before episode 50, I got another chance to interview Juan Galt, the, the reporter, journalist for Cointelegraph.com. And we got into an interesting conversation talking about security and privacy, things you can do to protect your computer, to protect your own information. We talk about his idea of the panopticon, how we're always being watched by the five eyes, but never know exactly when and how. And... We talk about how technology is being used by regular people or will be used by regular people to control the state or to watch the state. Some might call that little brother watches back. All right. So head on over to theparadiseparadox.com. You can have a look through our old episodes. We've got a lot of great content on there, some articles and everything like that. Head on over to YouTube, press like on, on YouTube, press subscribe on YouTube so you can get it on your YouTube front page, Paradise Paradox jumping up in your face. Head on over to iTunes, press subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review on iTunes, tell us what you think. Jump on over to... Uh, Pocket Casts, you can subscribe on there as well if you use Android. And uh, head on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. If you're feeling generous, you want to give us a little tip for all the hard work we've been putting in here. I know when you see a busker on the street and you see him doing a, a great job, seeing juggling on a unicycle, balancing a spoon and a, a basketball in his mouth all at the same time while um, shooting fireballs out of his anus, you always want to give that guy a tip. So I, uh, I recommend or I suggest or, or I offer you the, the brilliant opportunity to do the same. Head on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. You can donate by, by uh, bitcoins, by altcoins or by paypal so head on over have a look donate.theparadiseparadox.com and uh, also you notice on, on the paradiseparadox.com there's a there's a link at the top it says shop amazon so if you're going to buy something from amazon especially in if you're in the united states you can use that link and that's going to mean that we get a commission so if you if you're going to buy something maybe buy some books buy some videos um some uh cyberpunk fiction like some william gibson neuromancer head on over to uh theparadiseparadox.com, press that shop Amazon link and help us out just a little bit while entertaining yourself. Let's get into it, guys. Here we are with uh, Juan Galt. He's just uh, stopped by from Acapulco and is hanging out in Guadalajara for a few days for the campus party conference and, and uh, expo, I guess. How's it going? It's great. Thanks, thanks for having me over here. Yeah. The yeah, campus party was great. Uh, there was uh, expected, uh, people were saying there's about 15,000 people. 15,000 people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was topics being discussed from uh, Internet of Things to drones and how to sort of hack and, and, and create and program your own drones or like do all the kind of the making space, the do-it-yourself sort of maker space, uh, hacker garage. Um, There's Bitcoin stuff. There was business stuff. There's plenty of, 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 of intellectual cookies to, to munch on. <laughs> all right, cool. So what do you think is, uh, I mean, you, you report for uh, Cointelegraph, uh, and you've, you've been writing some interesting articles recently. Uh, what, do you, what do you think you'll be writing about after this conference? Hmm. 
Well, I mean, there's topics that I'm that I'm interested in uh, in exploring in regards to to uh, Bitcoin and, uh, and and blockchain technology, and I think the the mix between privacy, finance, and technology, and uh, and the need for the flow of information is, is a, that's a very abstract thing to say, but that 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 sort of the realm where they kind of mix up is very interesting to me. Um, I think um, you know there's there's a lot of interesting stuff in the Bitcoin world, right? I mean, Ethereum just it's about to launch. If it didn't launch already, um, it plenty of Internet of Things to do things um, of topics to discuss there. Um, there's going to be plenty of updates and, and and things coming out about Ethereum. Uh, side chains is another thing that's happening. That's kind of a big, a big, uh, a big sort of innovation kind of uh, benchmark in the Bitcoin world. And uh, or milestone, if you will, and uh, I don't know where they're at with that yet. I need to do more research on that, but but it's a very promising sort of and, and I think uh, needed technology in the space. And uh, so that that's sort of topics that I'm that I'm that I'm curious about. Um, I think I think um, definitely privacy around the Internet of Things. I think we need to sort of we need to define we need to sort of create an architecture of information flow. That is completely peer to peer, and where users have, a, where there's a free market of, of information flow, the quantification and 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 of of information flow. So let's say you connect your your fridge to your toaster, and your and everything in your house is connected. Your door has a smart lock. Your your computer is constantly connected to the rest of the items in your home. You know anything that's semi-electronic or mechanic could have a computer chip on it that will be communicating and sending information, you know, the air conditioning system, the the lights, the lighting system, you know. So so the, the amount of information that you could collect on anybody's house and anybody's lifestyle is uh, incredible. And uh, that, like, my, my basic equation for and why I care about privacy is simply that knowledge equals power you cannot you cannot know you cannot act purposefully without knowledge at least speculative knowledge about the environment that you're playing in and so the more that you know about your victims the better that you can attack them especially when the victims have no idea what the hell you know about them or or what you're planning or plotting which is basically the game strategy of of surveillance states is you don't know anything that they're doing they know everything that you're doing, and that is a really bad place to be in, in a, um, in any kind of um, game, any kind of system, any kind of sort of, you know, battle or, or society, if you will. Um, so, so I think yeah. So, so sort of just like looking into how we can kind of disrupt that is really what kind of what I'm interested in lately. Yeah. So it is a uh, like you're using the this metaphor or perhaps you you're being more literal when you're saying it's like this this battle it's kind of like a, a battle of information and at the moment it's like the regular people maybe they don't even know that they're in a war <laughs> but the like the the surveillance state is out there like go, yeah gobbling up all their details and t- making a record of everything yeah it, it's a war i mean there's there's no there's no doubt about it. Like it's it's a battle. Um, I mean, you know, I wish it wasn't that way. You know, but um, from my understanding and what I've heard, I mean, they they basically assume that anybody is the enemy, right? The way that the NSA treats things, the way that the the Five Eyes treat things, um, anybody could be the bad guy and is bad guy. Or possibly a bad guy until proven otherwise. It sort of takes out. Can can you just explain the who the five eyes are? Sure, sure. So five eyes are the. There's a a coalition between um, five major countries uh, who who have an agreement that is on paper. It is a sort of regulatory type of you know a legal kind of paperwork that agreement um, between Australia, Britain, New Zealand. Canada and the United States to spy on each other's citizens and spy on their own citizens and share information in a way to to um, to boycott or sort of bypass the the, the legal and cultural um, limits of their power. 
uh, you know, similar to how people do tax evasion through complex sort of, um, you know, corporations and stuff like that, right? And not, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but like it's it's a similar sort of idea, right? You sort of you look for jurisdictional jurisdiction arbitrage to be able to pull off what you want to get done and that's basically what they do they're, they're called the five eyes and there's more than that there's sort of there's different there's a hierarchy of sort of countries that with different sort of ways of spying on the countries but the five eyes is kind of like the core superpowers of surveillance to my understanding yeah cool and you're good that i read that article before about uh uh and frank had something to hide and something to fear this is a really great article i love i love that you talk about the uh yeah the this kind of metaphor about the panopticon which is a a system where the the prisoners can be watched but they never know when they're being watched and that's the situation we're in that that's exactly right that's exactly right yeah yeah the panopticon um yeah so it's it's actually a, a um a an architectural design to for prisons so that one guard or even no guards could be watching all inmates all prison prisoners simultaneously whereas the prisoners don't know whether they're being watched or not and therefore are always on edge and that is i think the system that we have in the internet today with the exception that now we know that we're being watched. We just don't know exactly when or in what ways we are have, our, our computers have been compromised. But And, and we, as in those are, that are you know, being educated about it, because a lot of people don't give a shit. And, um, you know, and that's, that's going to be, that's, that's just kind of like the way that humans work, right? There's pioneers, there's elite sort of exploiters, and there's a bunch of people in the middle, and we're just fighting over critical mass of one thought sort of ideology or sort of thought kind of philosophy or another, right? We're, we're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for uh, freedom or oppression. It's sort of like the always, the, the freedom or, or enslavement, if you will. It's kind of the, the, the tension, um, you know, to simplify things. But I think that's, that's, that's basically how it works. And it's, you know, and, and the most intelligent are the ones that are going to be kind of leading the charge on either side of the battle, most people will just sort of go with what what's easier or more comfortable or or hopefully something will inspire people to action and anger and uh that'll probably be when when people start getting hungry or whatever it's usually the point where revolution starts is 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 when people get hungry so but um but only only the minority of people kind of think that far ahead right <laughs> yeah right well yeah I've heard statistics where it's it's something like when people are spending about 40 or 60% of their income on food, then they start to realize, hey, shit is really fucked <laughs> and we can't ignore the the, uh, the reality of the situation anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I mean, you, <laughs> I asked you a few months ago, I sent you a message and said, uh, like, can you recommend some, some security steps that I can take? And you sent me one of your articles, which is, you know, detailed and in-depth and everything, and I didn't do any of it. <laughs> so uh, can you tell us why it is so important to, to have your information secure and to, to try to maintain your privacy? Right. Well, I mean... If if you're being targeted, if you if if you're on some government list, if you're if you are in the eyesight of of some CIA or FBI or some sort of secretive government organization, there's no way you can hide. Like there's there's things you can do, but it's it's basically a a, a specialization that you have to get in 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 privacy online, and it's going to be something that takes quite a bit of research and knowledge. Um, but if you're not being targeted. And you want to do something that is that wants to change that that wants to have a positive effect in the world and that may threaten the political power of or the power of of, of the elite as you see them. Then um, then you may want to sort of take those precautions, right? And uh, and it's simply and it, that that's one argument for it. It's basically assuming that I'm, for example, that I've taken enough steps to protect myself, which I think I have. Lately, but I think I, I was too late to sort of begin to protect myself in this way. But 
you know, I don't know, maybe I'm not that much of a target, but people that are doing, you know, journalist activists, people that are doing, you know, liberating kind of like revealing the secrets of the corrupt, revealing the secrets of the powerful. Um, These people can get frisked at the border and harassed, right? If they do it under their own name and, and their identity is clear, right? And that is the power of anonymity. Anonymity is a is a is a technology and a weapon against this sort of government oppression, really. And and you know it can be a tool for for exploitation of innocent people as well, right? So you look at the crypto locker locker thing, which basically some some anonymous developers created a virus that'll hack your computer, encrypt your hard drive, and then won't give you the key to decrypt it unless you give them Bitcoin. That's that's an anonymous attack on innocent people. Um, which will hopefully will make people be more careful about, you know, the stuff that they download and, and, and sort of clean their computer better. But so, you know, like all technologies, it's morally neutral and be used for good and evil. But uh, that's that's sort of the one, one of the one of the value adds of privacy and anonymity. The other one is that the more people that are using sort of I, I, I privacy, taking privacy steps, the easier, the harder it is. To identify the few that that are that are targeted. So if you have, if you look at those um, those demonstrations of anonymous people, right? Where it's like, or like the V from Vendetta, the movie. There's like a you know a thousand people wearing the anonymous mask. If one of them does anything in particular, let's say just to to, to um um. Let's say that some fight breaks out and somebody throws a Molotov, right? Which is not really a thing that I suggest anybody do. But let's say somebody throws a Molotov. Well, now, who who was it? There's a thousand people with anonymous masks. You can't, you don't really know which one did it because it's much harder to, to know that. And that's kind of the, the idea, right? We want to launch intellectual Molotovs at the, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> right, so you want to, like, the idea is uh, we find ways to release information anonymously, which is speaking truth to power. And this is like ex- explosive information, which can really, I, I guess the, the purpose would be like to, to shatter people's trust in, in government institutions or corrupt institutions, which are manipulating them or, you know, taking their money or lying to them or and any number of things. Yeah, the basic quote, uh, I think that um, that was, uh, I'm not sure who said this, right? But basically the way that you, that you fight injustice is by exposing injustice. And that's the, that's the fundamental sort of argument for, for truth-telling against power is you reveal injustice. And then once people see it, they cowered away from they, they, they sort of re- they, they become revulsed by it. And that is the, the gut reaction that you want to create. It's not a great, you know, well, you know, you also want to inspire people. But if people are, are kind of like think of the government as this benevolent sort of, you know, sometimes clumsy, but trying to help, you know, creature out there um, that has been voluntarily chosen by the people through the democratic process, then some anarchist saying that the government is evil doesn't doesn't really make sense. But once you start to show that that narrative is not true, that the democratic process is forced that there's no social contract, that you're born into a cage and you don't choose the laws, you don't choose the regulations, you don't choose any of it, but it, but it's enforced on you and you're held responsible for it. Once you start to revel- reveal that to people, that's when I think people start to, now they have knowledge and now they can make a choice and that choice can be whether to ignore it, actively ignore it or fight it or embrace it and and, 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 and continue enjoying the the, the light side, if you will, of 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 that kind of that eternal kind of struggle. Um, hopefully, not eternal, but seems like it, right? And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Yeah, great. This is this is uh, this is great stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you mentioned the the Internet of Things. And so you're talking about this this situation, like this House of Next Tuesday situation, where everything in your house is is connected. It's all on a network. Uh, and and you you mentioned these scenarios where people are already being uh, uh, like blackmailed or ex- exploited for 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 money. 
Um, so, I mean, obviously, we're, it, it is going to open up people to, to a whole bunch of risks when you, when you have this high technology that, that has the potential to, to control your life. Uh, what, what kind of things do you foresee? Like, what kind of exploits will we need to be aware of like, in the next five or ten years when these technologies start to become available? Uh, I think well, a lot of them are available now. Um, here's one that they could do now, probably. Or maybe, in, like, if they keep going, unless we sort of are careful. Uh, this this is one scenario that's in my mind. What if, um, you know, your, your microphone, our, 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 all, all devices have, like, most devices that come out now have embedded microphones, embedded cameras. What if... Um, let's say the five eyes decide that you are a threat to security of the nation states, right? And therefore they're going to do whatever they can to silence you, right? Well, they probably have the technology and the, the, and the, and the, and the ability to simply every time that you are near a computer or like log onto a computer or start doing, like if, if you definitely, if you touch Facebook or Google, um, or if you use an IP that you usually use, an IP is sort of like the phone numbers of computers, right? Like it's like the 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 home address of your computer, and 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 there's generally that's how you identify their lo- people's location uh, through internet traffic is their IP address. So you know if 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 they know what kind of computers you use, what your 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 use habits are, what your social media websites are, they could just remotely shut down your computer like stop your access to the internet just say no you're not allowed to be on behalf of the five eyes international treaty of national security you are you have been um you know you you've lost your right to the internet because you've violated this or this or this treaty or whatever and that is a possibility and I mean, yeah, you could go buy another laptop and 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 try to sort of cover your tracks, but that puts a uh, a burden of of action on on the part of the truth tellers, on the part of the activists, on the part of you know even the bad people, right? Even the the the, the hackers and the exploiter, well, the the bad hackers, the black hat hackers and the exploiters, it puts a burden on anybody to do anything that will displease this uh, elite that control the internet. Um. Yeah. So I mean, there, there's there's networks that are rising to sort of boycott this, and and security. The security battle is is pretty pretty exciting, but um, the the information security and, and the technology security as, uh, battle is very exciting. But um, but yeah, that's one scenario. Yeah. yeah. So I've I've been watching this series called Utopia. Do you do you know that one? No. Okay. Okay. Well, it's kind of cool. It's like this conspiracy theory type show where they uh they they discovered this comic book which uh they think is just a great work of art but it turns out it's true and it's the the ravings of this uh scientist who turned schizophrenic and uh, has these plans to destroy the human race and stuff it's a it's a great series i recommend it uh but uh yeah it's like in in one of the scenes um one of the characters says says to to his ex-lover and and her her daughter um, all right, look into the look into the closed circuit camera. Uh, look again. That's the last time you'll ever be able to do that in your life because you're now you're you're tracked for life. Uh, and you know if they find you, they'll you know they'll do bad things to you. And I mean this is this is a work of fiction, obviously, but it's it, it uh, well some of the some of the things in in the series kind of cross the boundary they use real historic events in the series and i think i think some people have to question what is how where does the the, the boundary really lie uh what kind of uh, terrible world do we really live in and the like well i mean it goes into shadowy organizations controlling things and stuff but um <laughs> i guess the, those um those organizations do exist to some extent uh, you know the CIA, the NSA, all of that stuff. They they probably can kill people if they feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, on this on this computer, I use Windows eight. I did hear um, 
I forget. <laughs> You're shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it referred to as Windows Prism version, like uh, named <laughs> after the the uh, NSA program. <laughs> What's uh, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what advice do you have for me? <laughs> yeah, just don't like, just burn your computer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, install uh, Linux. Install Ubuntu. Ubuntu. There's like, you know, fifty shades of Linux um, distributions that are fairly easy to use. Like, yeah, not not lying. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, you're gonna have to learn to use. A um a terminal the dreaded terminals, and and like have to like learn a few things right, but I mean I started and I'm not a I'm not a software developer I'm not a computer like I'm you know I've I've, I've I I can't code, but um you know over time I just you just you just learn a few things that you need to do on the the terminal to just a few tricks and uh, and it's as functional and open source um as windows and it's way more secure like most enterprises businesses that are use any kind of it you know anything they use linux because they know that windows is terrible for security like windows is swiss cheese it's just full of holes and you can just go and like exploit all of them and yeah yeah well i remember when we we had Windows 95 and it was so common and I would just uh, go on and and port scan to see which computers, which IPs had had a certain port open uh, and like when when the that, that port was open to listen for communication um, then I would know that they'd left their their network sharing on like they'd been to, to a, a network like a gaming session and came home, and they were still sharing all of these folders, and you could just go in and and uh, look at exactly what what they had shared. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like it's like leaving your door open from your house. <laughs> it's like, hey, come look at all my stuff. Um, yeah, sure. You know, information is generally. Um, generally um abundant there's no scarcity in information at least the way that people think about it today so yeah if they steal your computer files they're not stealing them because you still have a copy but they now they know they have this is a, this is an interesting thing that i don't think people talk i haven't heard anybody talking about or, or many people talking about but knowledge or information about your personal life um if made abundant obviously as i said before it's kind of puts you at 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 a higher risk of being attacked by malicious people that can gather this information um but it's also is it is scarce as long as you control it through privacy sort of technology right like information, let's say somebody goes in and um, gathers your banking passwords, right? Well, this is information that is, this is information, right? Yes, your passwords will still be in your computer, but those passwords represent access to a limited resource in the outside world, in the in the non-cyberspace world. And, and that access... Again, it's scarce, and so they can steal stuff from your bank account, right? They can steal your Bitcoin if they know your private keys. So the more that we, I think I'm quoting um, um, a guy that I interviewed, um, Vini Gupas, I think is his name. I probably butchered his last name too. But um, the more that we build societies on top of the internet, the the more vulnerable we are to this kind of exploits, right? And I'm paraphrasing, right? But that's kind of the idea. Um, yeah, so it's not it's not a fun topic. It's kind of a stressful topic. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. But uh, I guess that's... That's the that's the price of freedom, eternal vigilance. We we have to be aware of what's, what's happening around us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, 
Yeah, so you were you were mentioning to me today that um, that it's now possible to um, someone's come up with a, a schematic to make a 3D printer for only sixty dollars, and you can do it at home. There's uh, like YouTube t- tutorials and and everything. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm imagining this scenario where someone uh, maybe someone even in a developing nation, maybe someone in Ghana. Um, downloads his schematic, makes his own um, 3D printer, uses that 3D printer to print parts to make an even better 3D printer, and then they're 3D printing things for the whole community, um, making drones or I, I don't know <laughs> what would even happen. It's uh, it's it's an exciting time. Uh, so what kind of what kind of crazy technologies and how uh, how do you think all of these these factors coming together, like with with Bitcoin and three D printing, uh, and other other decentralized um, decentralized well, the decentralization of, of institutions. What what can we hope for in the next five or ten years? Okay, here's a fun one, uh, controversial one for sure. Um, I think the the drug war is definitely threatened by drones because you can. You can quite literally, it's drones. What what one thing that they allow in three D printing, one thing that they allow is the decentralization of um, of um, of production of of goods and service, or at least of goods, right? And uh, so yeah, you can we can three D print, we can build a three D printer and three D print a drone, and um, and then ship things to people, whatever. And uh, at least for the time being. Other than like shooting down these drones, um, there's gonna be no very not you know it's not gonna be very easy to know what they're carrying, uh, especially if in a few years there's just gonna be like massive traffic of drones going everywhere, which is definitely imaginable um, if they become a kind of the new way of to transport goods. Right, it's gonna make the the snail mail services com- like even more obsolete. Um, and, um, and then, you know, like what's going to, what's going to keep people from, how are they going to control people from just buying, buying something that's legal in their country, whatever it is, you know, be it, be it a, a gun, right. Or, or a particular type of herb or a particular type of protein, um, and just getting it shipped by drone, right. <laughs> you could literally have a drone, drop it and have like a little parachute, of like a little box of land on top of your house and you've already paid for it with Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I think they're, they're already, they've, I mean, for a while they were trying to do that sort of thing with burritos. <laughs> and in, in Melbourne, there was a, a, a startup called uh, Copter Waffle or something and they would, <laughs> or no, Para, para waffle. It was para waffle. They send you a waffle and it uh, floats down on on parachutes. So it's <laughs> pretty pretty cool. Pretty good idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and yeah. So do you, do you see? Let's see. One th- one thing. One barrier at the moment to the to that kind of drone and you know kind of almost instantaneous or you know rapid. Uh, delivery process, the rapid delivery it's technology. Really. It's the centralized delivery process, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one uh, obstacle is the, is the legal barriers. So I guess uh, I'm not really sure exactly. I guess, uh, I mean, there are some valid safety concerns about drones. And I guess it's also about power, like governments do tend to be full of people that want to crave more power. Uh, regardless of if, if they need it or not, uh, but how do you think those kind of legal barriers will be overcome? Do you think they'll be overcome politically or uh, other methods or a combination? Well, I mean, the only way that we can that I know of, th- of thinking about this problem is you look at history, right? You look at the decentralization of of the printing press, right? Of, of the of the information sharing, right? The printing press, yeah, it was probably illegal to print books for a while. Didn't stop it over time. People probably got burned. People probably what got made an what were made an example of, you know, and people got killed on the way by the powers that be. Um, that's 
that's kind of the bloody sort of churning of history, right? Um, that's you know, but but it you know, in the end, it won. Uh, if you look at uh, copyright and patent law and IP and piracy and all this stuff, right? I mean, you know, there's some there's some. I, I can concede that it sucks to have to put a lot of energy and work into, let's say, a movie, and then you try to sell it, and then somebody just copies it and sell and, and puts it online for free, and now you can't make any money out of it. I can understand that problem. Um, it just means you gotta you gotta change the way you make money, and um, and and you know the 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 Hollywood lobby and the IP lobby and the patent lobby. They've, they've been trying to fight this battle and enforce intellectual property rights for since the internet. And um, they've definitely done some really disturbing stuff. Like, for example, um, computers have, most Intel computers that are coming out now, to my knowledge, have chips in them that can recognize some, um, can recognize kind of, uh, the identities of of, of of movie files or music files, right? And could potentially sort of say, okay, this is this is copyrighted. You don't seem to have a key, so you cannot watch it. But that stuff is so easy to, easy to hack with. Like most copyrighted like material that or, or like you know pirated material, if you will, that you would take out of online, they've just they've just hacked that. So they just they just bypass that that security measure. It's called digital rights management technology, right? And so, um, so they just there's you know they're the pirate like you can download anything online, you know, and it's it's winning, right? So when you decentralize things, there's just no way to fight it. Like it's it, you can you can try to fight it, you can try to scare people out of it, but in the long run, it it wins. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's this. Analogy that I've heard, which which is uh, relevant in in many situations, is this story where a, a guy goes to a, a hardware store and he buys a, a squirrel-proof bird feeder, uh, and he he goes home and installs it in his tree in his garden or whatever, and he finds like after two days he sees the the squirrels have gone in and and uh, eaten all the the bird feed. Uh, and he go he takes it back to the store and say, "What do you think you're doing? You know, this is uh this is supposed to be a squirrel-proof bird feeder." Uh, and the the guy there tells him straight, "Well, there's no such thing as a squirrel-proof bird feeder. It's impossible. You know, you buy this bird feeder and it takes you ten minutes. You know, maybe it takes an hour to to make the thing. Squirrels have twenty four hours a day, seven days a week." to find a way to get into that that squirrel proof bird feeder and they're going to do it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the internet is just the internet is just a big squirrel feeder. Yeah, yeah, squirrel proof. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> yeah. A squirrel proof bird feeder. Yeah, people are always working on new new ways to to break things down. Press like on YouTube, press like on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube iTunes and Pocket Casts. Follow us on Twitter at BattleAZ and TroubleBubble and show your support at donate.theparadiseparadox.com. How do you think filmmakers and musicians and, and artists will get paid in the future for their work, considering that it's, it's very hard for them to exploit any government-enforced copyright infringement nowadays? Right, right. Um... There's a lot of options. Uh, so the, there's this one guy that um, this I think he was the the sing, singer or maybe one of the one of the lead members of Iron Maiden, which is a huge, very popular band. And he was at campus uh, party, and he was talking precisely about this, right? That when when uh, Napster came out and the internet started sort of coming out, a lot of bands started to try to push. Um, legal enforcement over copyright. Um, but what some did, what they, what he did, uh, what they did, what Iron Maiden, they just, um, you know, over time, they just started finding other ways, right? So he said, uh, well, now it means that, yeah, people get your, will just download your content. So 
you can that means you'll have to sell your t-shirts for 50 bucks right and so you're you're a t-shirt company who markets through music it's content marketing mm. they have a beer an iron maiden beer who doesn't want to drink that beer? <laughs> I want to drink that beer just because it says Iron Maiden on it. It's such a cool band. And uh and I just I just I just imagine that it's like slightly fruity and bitter, but like has like like maybe it's like sort of I don't know, like it's gonna be like like a dark beer. I wanna I wanna have an Iron Maiden beer and he just that that's it, and I'll go buy it. And you can't copy and paste beer. Beer is scarce, right? So they're they're doing music and and film production and all this stuff now can become basically marketing budget. It's content marketing. You got to find a way to sell something that's scarce, um, you know, or you know, ask for donations. Donation model works um, more or less, right? <laughs> you're not going to be rich, but you'll make some money uh, if you're big enough, anyways. Um, you, there, there's the media companies. There's media business models coming out now that are kind of intriguing, and I, and I need to learn more about this. But basically, if you go if you if you go to any major news site, they don't have ads. How the hell do they do it? They don't have ads. How do they make money? I think um, one way that that it, one that companies do it is they they are basically um, a technology company. Let's say they're 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 doing security research right and they get paid for security research but they have part of their their marketing budget just goes to to funding um to paying journalists or writers to create really interesting content so that people interested in security will come and read those articles and know that this company that is a security researching firm can uh you know solve their technology problems if need be right so you just have you just have you just advertise your own services on your own blog if you will and uh and it's you know it's marketing budget but uh let's see it's it does in a way it sounds kind of perverse cuz like what if i say hey i'm going to start a t-shirt company and as part of that it's like i i find vanilla ice and get and get him to uh to make some really cheesy records and and release them and <laughs> get wearing the shirt, wearing the shirt. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah I've, I've, i think people would see some people would would see that as a, as an opportunity for like people with the, people who don't really care about music they would use that as a, as a business model and exploit it and make really horrible music. And <laughs> uh, yeah. if music sucks, nobody's going to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, a, I don't know about that because it's like, uh, you know, for years the, there's been uh, things like payola. Uh, it, it used to be legal and DJs could get paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or like Chuck Berry had a case where he, he actually gave half the rights of his his song to a dj so he would get more play uh and and uh then when it became illegal people people would still do it that you know buy gifts for, for djs and stuff like that um but i guess the thing about that is people don't need to listen to the radio anymore if they want music <laughs> yeah they, they have a million ways of of finding music yeah i mean yeah um, not sure. Not sure what what that. What's payola? Ah, so payola is is essentially bribery for a radio DJ. Bribery. So <laughs> p- people people, ugh, it's such a misuse of the word. You know what's bribery? Bribery is when somebody tells you, "Listen, I'll." I mean, this is one way to call it bribery. Anyways, somebody comes to you and says, "Okay, I'll give you money if you do this, but if you don't do it, I'll kill you." <laughs> That's 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 more that's a more egregious kind of bribe, right? Um, another one is that like going to let's say uh, a uh, a doctor, let's say, right, and having paying them to lie to you know somebody about their medical issues, right? But I mean, you just you just gotta you just gotta not trust one person, right? So like if if one company Let's say here's one. I think this is what what you're sort of getting at is that let's say 
doesn't ha- doesn't the research security research company have an incentive to let's say lie about security so they can possibly hack right hack the people that that buy their services right well but it's the internet anybody can be anybody that can do security can do research security or whatever business so you just read that article and then you go and fact check it against other articles yep. and problem solved you just got to read three articles that's th- that's it one is right, one is wrong, and then the other one confirms the other, the other one, possibly, right? Or just read five, right? And the more that you read, the more certainty you will achieve. So it's, it's not an issue, I think, for me. I mean, and, 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 and you got to recognize the bias. You can't avoid bias. This is sort of like a belief that I have, and I'm not sure if I can prove it, but everybody's biased. Everybody. We all have an agenda. We all have values. We all have goals. The moment that you start thinking about anything, now you have a an expectation, a prediction, a bet on that which will happen opposed to all the other things that could happen. And you 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 think as if that will be the case, right? And so you, we all have biases. Um, so you recognize the bias and then you you go look for a source that doesn't have that bias, right? You know, Microsoft has a very successful blog, an incredibly, like, amazing quality of writing, delicious. I went there, I read, like, three articles, I was just, oh, God, it's so good. Like, the way that they, just the writing is just brilliant. They're not going to talk about the fact that they basically built the NSA, technology-wise. No, they're not going to talk about it, never. Never, but they have interesting topics, content as far as other things, right? So you just, you just, you just, it's purpose-based knowledge. You just sort of go and, you know, you judge the, you judge the character, and then you take their information with a grain of salt. Yeah, well, this is like the similar to this analogy that Stefan Molyneux makes, where he says, uh, if if you go and work for Coca Cola and Coca Cola pays for all your training, they're not gonna. They're not going to tell you that you know Coca-Cola causes uh, has some cancer-causing agent in there because it's it's made from burnt stuff, or you know tell you about tooth decay or something like that. And likewise, if you go to a government school, they're probably not going to tell you how how terrible the government is. Um, they're not going to give you that side of the story. Yeah, uh, but it's an interesting topic because um, the. Uh, the the story is these days that that journalists are, are supposed to be unbiased, and, and uh, yeah, of course we're we're all human, and it's not really possible. So in in your journalism, you're never going to be you know you're always going to be bold, and and your your biases are, are going to be clear. I assume you're never going to you uh, you wouldn't deliberately try to hide anything like that. Yeah, I mean, there, as a journalist, I have I have some power over over um, the the behavior of people, right? And it's it's kind of one of the things that intrigues me, right? And you, you can think what you will about it, right? But I find I find inspiring people's minds just more interesting and intriguing than 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 trying to sort of um, control computers or program computers, right? And it's an interesting choice that I've had to make, but I am still getting into coding and all that, right? Now, granted, I'm just some dude writing content online, and you can go and fact-check everything that I say, right? Um, does that mean that I have no standards of, of quality? No, I do have standards, right? So I'm basically, what I do is I say, okay, does your project, because I write about technology a lot, so a lot of companies come to me and they're like, hey, can I? can you write about my project, right? As if, you know, I see if they're paying me, right? No, I'm kidding. No, I love it when they do that because they come with really interesting things sometimes, right? But sometimes I just got to be like, listen, you got you to gotta show me that this actually works. I can't, just, I can't just give you free marketing if you have no actual product that is actually functional. And, and, and I do get projects like this, right? They'll come like, oh, I have this great idea. We're just starting, but they don't, they don't really mention that too much. But they, you know, it's all this, all this talk, all this theory. It's okay, what have you show me the, the 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 product? What have you built? Oh well, it's still early stages, and you know we are sort of in development. But uh, but it, here's all the idealist stuff, and it's awesome. And I just can't, I just can't, unless you have a really amazing idea. I just I just can't write about that because there's a hundred projects that are 
proven their 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 weight in, in technology. Cyberpunk style, they've they've coded instead of talking about what they're going to code. So so that's one standard, right? And I'm I'm the gatekeeper, if you will, of 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 what I write about because it's I'm the one writing about it. Um, there's plenty of other journalists, and you can try to find them, right? So you know whatever, right? But um, that's that's one standard that I have. The other one is I and I I'm I'm a very much interested in 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 truth i i think and so i always sort of i use my my journalism as a way to communicate deeper values and so you know i mean if i'm if i'm if if you you know if if i if i if i push information that is wrong or that is uh, manipulative or that is sort of you know just plain dumb people will just troll me on the comments <laughs> and then my reputation will be sort of like reputation will carry right and reputation is not perfect but i mean again like there's just a free market you know you don't like my stuff there's three million more writing things right so it's yeah well there's one thing that i could do is and this is a problem particularly in the bitcoin space and and or any any kind of investment um financial investment um um media is that they can, like, as a journalist, as as the media, we tend to get information early before it be, reaches the majority of people. So, like, I could invest on something, release an article, wait for the price to go up, and sell, right? And that's something that I could do. Now, is that a bad thing? They call it incited trading, right? Governments do it all the time. Politicians do it all the time. Um, so it is a bad thing, then. Maybe. They also floss, hopefully. You know? So <laughs> flossing is really bad apparently. Wearing suits, bad. Don't wear suits. It's a terrible thing. Because governments do it, right? So I mean, you know, why can't you know I don't I, I don't I don't like doing it, you know. Um it's just it's like I just feel guilty. Like yeah, you know, but um, but that's what uh, one thing that you got to keep in mind, right? Like the journalists could do that. Um, so you know, like for a while, I would I would put like when I whenever I wrote about the NXT or the Supernet, right? Which I am an investor and I hold NXT, not too much. I hold plenty of Supernet sort of stocks, like most of my savings. Probably a bad idea, but I do do it, <laughs> and um, I don't have too many savings, anyways, right? And and so you know, I would put a a disclaimer, but it's like it's so obvious that I'm into Supernet that it's like why even put a disclaimer, right? And, and I think some of them do have it, right? But and the other thing is that if I write about technology that is clearly remarkable, it doesn't matter whether I'm invested in it or not because the technology is remarkable and the achievements are remarkable. So yeah, well, that's a, that's a thing. Like people, when people come to Coin Telegraph, they don't expect to see an article that's just going to be a bunch of fluff and saying this is really great without actually telling you any substance or making a case that that it is remarkable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the there's there's a there's a thin line that I try to sort of stay clear of and I think um we at Quintelegraph try to sort of steer clear of. It's not easy. And it's the line between marketing, like doing a sales pitch and doing a story, a sort of truth-telling story, right? So whenever I write about any project that does anything cool, I'll mention projects that are doing something similar, just briefly, right? So it doesn't look like I'm writing a marketing piece on X, right? Another thing is, you know, I'll write my critical thoughts of it, right? My experience of it, right? Um, And try to bring context, right? Whereas a lot of the press releases that I get from companies are like, here's five reasons why I'm awesome. And that's interesting, but it's marketing fluff and it's kind of boring. And I have to, I have to like basically extract the facts and then rewrite the story in a way that is not a marketing fluff. And there's words that are weaselly, like, you know, greatest ever or, you know, I don't know. There's, there's like a list of marketing words that you want to kind of steer clear of more or less. But yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, so today we, we were hanging out, uh, walking along the street, and, and uh, a, a young boy came up and, and sold you something, 
and and you you stopped and gave, gave him some words of advice. Just, yeah, tell tell us what you said. <laughs> he didn't sell me anything. He came. He really literally like plunged at me with a sticker, trying to like put it on me, like peg it on me. And I was like, eh, okay. And I was and what that means in Mexico is basically if they stick it to you, you got to give them some money because now it's some sort of exchange or it's kind of a guilt trip, right? It's really what it is. It's a guilt trip. But I, you know. I was like, okay, well, fuck it. Let's take an opportunity here. And I, slightly grudgingly, I took out money and I gave him 10, 10 pesos, right? And people will have opinions about whether you should or should not do this and, you know, whatever, right? Um, so I, I gave him 10 pesos and I asked him, before I gave him the 10 pesos, I asked him, um, he's like maybe eight years old, right? And I asked him, like, what would you like to be or do in 10 years? And he he was like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And he was kind of looking at me, right? And and then I said, okay, well, and it's cheesy advice, right? But I said, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And then I and I gave him the the money, and he was just like staring at me, like you know, like like kind of. He, I don't know how to describe it, but he was kind of like, and I don't know if he's like this with everybody or just me or like what happened, but he was kind of like like fascinated I would say right just like you know and uh and maybe I'm wrong about that maybe I'm just stroking my own ego right but um but I think it's true right I mean it's cheesy advice you, if, you, if you want if you can do anything you want but really I mean within the limits of reason right within the limits of like you can't be an astronaut if you don't you know unless you put a lot of work into it and you probably have to have some good connections um, but for most things, if you, if you, if you want to do it, you probably can, you just got to work hard at it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, yeah, of course it sounds like a cliche, but I mean, when we walked past later, um, uh, I saw him and he's, he was like pointing at you and smiling. And, he's saying something. He's saying something. I don't know what he said, but he was like smiling and saying something about me and like, Something, I don't know what he said. But. <laughs> All right. Well, it seemed like you made his day. Maybe it's just the, the 10 pesos because that's a lot of money for an eight-year-old kid in Mexico. But it's probably going to go to his parents, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, his parents are probably going, like, this is the, this is the thing that gets me. It's like they're, his parents could be fucking working, hopefully, unless catastrophe occurred. And um, so the kid is going to collect money and then bring it to his parents to help pay for food. That's most likely what's going to happen. The, the kid is not an entrepreneurial, entrepreneur sort of making money. He is a, you know, he's basically working for his parents, right, who had him and have a responsibility to take care of him, right? Now, I'm not saying there's anything actually wrong with kids doing things that make them money. I think that's a great idea. Every, every kid should be allowed to go and try to make money and be an entrepreneur. No problem with that. But... There's there's an implicit sort of I'm poor, please help me, and that's that's an exploitation from the parents, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little sneaky, but you know the reason I brought this up is because, uh, like you're saying in 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 your articles, you you present things in a way uh, that maybe I guess you you try to inspire people or change people's minds a little and massage their minds a little. Uh, and it reminds me of uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, it reminds me. It reminds me of uh, the the poet and and uh, wizard, I guess, Alistair Crowley. Uh, if you, I, I guess you're not familiar with his work. Uh, yeah. Well, he said once that all art is magic, and what what he meant by that was when you when you can create a great piece of art you can inspire someone or change their mind or, or maybe completely change their life, completely change the course of their life. Uh, and at a grand scale, you can create a movement. You can change the world. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Yeah. Ideas, man. We are, we are, we are complex machines that run on human-made software and that's called philosophy or ideas or information and it's basically that's like 
there's no other way to really make people or like influence people in ways to do things that you think are good other than by communicating in ways that will connect with them, right? Um, I mean, one way is to just propagandize the hell out of them, which schools do fairly well and the mainstream media does fairly well. Um, but that, that also comes with punishment and, and sort of negative uh, reinforcement and all that. Um, and that, that's one way to do it, and that's, I think, a bad way to do it. Um, other one is just to try to give people compelling arguments and, and try to get them to empathize with um, with the future or with the other side of things or get them to get them to put themselves in the shoes of whatever whatever thing you think they're not seeing. So like this article that I wrote recently, I really like this article. It's the, called uh, Ethereum um, Prepares for Takeoff. And it's basically a kind of glimpse into the future as to what the Internet of Things could be like and, and how Ethereum can help secure the Internet of Things. And so I kind of basically try to put the, the, the reader in, in the future. And this, like this is, you'll walk, one, imagine a day where you'll, um, you want to go hang out with your friends. And, um, you know, so you, you pull up your phone and you look up the decentralized Uber app, pay with Bitcoin, and a transaction goes on the blockchain where, you know, basically you put out an offer and, and, and one out of 50 cabs around you gives you the best deal. And within seconds, this vehicle arrives but the vehicle has no steering wheel it doesn't need one it's automated it's controlled by an artificial intelligent software the seats are organized in a way that's more like a lounge right uh, you know you you get on and 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 a cocktail comes out which you ordered with a drink or maybe it's with the car maybe it's a free sort of token right for for doing business with this particular taxi um you know and then you you're off and it takes you to 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 your friends and then you remember that you're you forgot to turn off your dryer you know because you'll still have dryers apparently 10 years um we'll see where things go but um it's really interesting stuff happening in clothing as well um but you know you put out you you grab your smartwatch and you just say okay uh please you know turn off the dryer right and uh, a transaction goes on the blockchain and then turns off your dryer. Um, this is this is the, the world that we could be in because everything is going to be connected with everything. Um, and the problem, like, the problem is, is it going to be secure? Can we be certain that only he who owns in the the technology, your 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 dryer, your 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 um, your, your door, which will be electronically secured at some point in the future? that only you as the owner can control it or can hacker team hack it? Can the NSA control it and basically give you permission to control it for now as long as you comply? Um, who is going to have ultimate control over the stuff that you buy in the Internet of Things? That is, that is the question that I think Ethereum helps or has the potential to solve because it is decentralized, blockchain-enforceable, cryptographically secure smart contracts that would allow basically as long as you don't lose your private keys you you, you have control so. yeah yeah great so okay so that's a that's good uh information about ethereum and how it's going to change um crypt, cryptocurrency and hopefully a whole bunch of other things <laughs> yeah so i like that i like that article because you you do paint this picture. You sh you say to people, "This can be the world," uh, and we just have to, uh, you know, some of us will will build it, and some of us will support it, and and uh, that's the that's like the magic that I'm talking about. You like subtly guiding the direction of humanity uh, just by presenting them these ideas, and it, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the, totally awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So cool. So so Juan, um, let's see. So what's your what's the best way to to read your articles? We can just go on Coin Telegraph, or is is do you have any other projects? Anything else you want to promote? Hmm. Uh, my Twitter account is kind of like the 
the main place to sort of find my work. Um, there's a link in the Twitter account, like the website that is linked to is my Cointelegraph uh, authors page. And that's most of my articles are on Cointelegraph. I have other ones in uh, Bitcoin Magazine and uh, one in L Bit one or two on L Bitcoin, which is Spanish uh, uh, Bitcoin Magazine. Um, anything that I want to promote? I think. Um, I think I think nothing right now. Um, there's definitely projects in the background that are interesting, um, but uh, yeah, check out my my articles if 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 you fancy this kind of disruptive uh, technology and information, um, and, and and my angle on it. And uh, yeah, thank you. Great, thanks, Juan. Uh, what's what's your Twitter handle? Oh yes, it's uh, at Juan J U A N S Galt G A L T. Yeah, cool. Okay, great for all those Ayn Rand fans out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, thanks for joining me, Juan. Cheers.